Welcome to the Path 5 Podcast. The Path 5 team is a dedicated group of professionals hailing from diverse backgrounds, all anchored in making the world a safer place. Thanks for joining us while we dive into today's topic. Hey folks, it's your boy, Bro Neal, with Path 5 Podcast. You already know what's going on with us, and I hope it's going on with you too. Today, we're back at it again with a discussion on the great outdoors. We're going to be diving down to talk about our floppy friends, fish. We received some fantastic feedback about our last episode on hunting, and we're glad that you're continuing to join us with a bit of an escape from the nonsense that is 2020. As we touched on in our last episode, we all find peace in the great outdoors. That kind of escape is essential even more so these days. With everything going on, we urge you to find a way to get away from the 24-hour bombardment of garbage that we're dealing with. You don't have to go hunting or fishing or really anything, but just get out. Put the phone down, take a walk, and enjoy yourself. But with that being said, let's get into this topic. We're going to be talking about fishing today. I mean, I, I love fishing. It is such a great time. Personally, I haven't gone in years, but I remember the night before, my grandpa and I would spray down the lawn get all those worms to come to the surface, grab a few of those, pack up breakfast and lunch. That way we could hit the glassy water in the morning. What is it that drew you guys to it? Yeah, man. Uh, first of all, I think it's super awesome that you and grandpa used to go out there and prep his lawn for worms. That's, that's legit. Hey, man, you, they think it's raining. So they all come up, you know, and you just, you can just go boop, 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 boop. And that's free bait right there. I'm not going to go down the store, pay five fifty for worms, man. It's yeah, not that's, happening. A lot of, that's a lot of paper money. <laughs> One of paper is four of coin. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Could be 10 of coin if you got the little ones. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, this is, this is Midas. Um, you know, for me, I love fishing, like legitimately. And I, I know there's almost like a bit of a stigma uh, outside the sporting world. I think that's probably because of Tinder, right? You know, all these chicks are like, oh, just because a dude has a big fish in his picture doesn't account for his lack of personality. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you know, I, I take my best pictures when I'm fishing because it's just the lighting. It's like the reflection off the water. Um. It's a joke. But anyhow, so fishing though, I, I absolutely do love it. Um, and I, I try not to just take stuff for granted. You know, if I really like something, I take the time to think about why, and I've thought about fishing and why I love it. And for me, it's the simple fact that you don't know what's going to happen. You have no idea. Like you could get totally skunked for you. Non-fishermen getting skunked doesn't involve smelling bad because of, uh, bladder of an animal secreted something on you it it involves just going out there and not catching anything you just like come up with snake eyes you know you're just nada so you can either go out there you get skunked or you can throw out a worm on a bobber and get a 30 pound pike it's happened like you never know it's crazy so it's like this whole anticipation, like throughout the week, you're like thinking about like, even if you go out on a weekday, but you're, you're prepping mentally. And I've, I've learned to lower my expectations. You know, I try to go out there and just have a good time. Cause on the days you do get skunked and you want to get a 30 pound pike, it can be pretty disappointing. So, but it's just that whole cool concept of like, you don't know what's going to happen. It's awesome. And for those of us who have left active duty military and we don't go out and do cool stuff anymore in that regard, it seems to satisfy that, that aspect of our lives a little bit for me, at least it's kind of cool. Um, you know, like the, the peace and beauty of it is a big draw for me too. You know, like typically bodies of water are just picturesque. They're gorgeous. You've got the reflection of the shoreline, the tree line, you've got, Optimal fish times uh, when they want to bite is typically evening or morning. So dawn and dusk. So you got sunrise, sunset. It's just a really great opportunity to get out there and see some really beautiful stuff, which I feel like is this just great kind of mix of like competition and supreme peace. 
if that makes sense. I don't know. I know Da Vinci, you've been, you've been fishing for a minute, dude. What do you think? Yeah, man, I think fishing is, you know, similar to hunting in the way that it gets you out in nature, you know, unless we're, uh, what's that new game that you guys got? Unless we're <laughs> playing, uh, you know, bass fishermen from our couch, uh, anytime <laughs> we're fishing, you know, or hunting we're we're actually out there in nature, whether it's the mountains or the woods or the fields or the streams, uh, or lakes or rivers or even oceans. It's just a really cool experience just to get outside, like you were saying. But like for me, I started my fishing journey in like little puddles and small ponds and lakes in, in Michigan, uh, in Southwest Michigan when I was growing up, um, just with a little fishing pole, you know, like probably like a little Barney fishing pole that comes in like with a lunchbox and a little bobber. But I think I was like five first time I wormed, hooked, hooked my own worm and, uh, threw it into the lake. But, um, I still love it because it usually means good times with friends and family. You know, that's what I remember from growing up. Um, just whether it was sitting on a dock or getting out on a boat, um, it was always a good time with, uh, with friends and family. But in the case of fly fishing, that's kind of my zone or was when I was living in Colorado, that to me brings like solitude and serenity because you can go out with other people and not talk to them all day. You know, you're on your section of the river, they're on their piece of the river. And, you know, you maybe occasionally will see what's biting down there and maybe ask them what kind of fly and, uh, they're using right now and what's hatching and that's about it. And then you get to, <laughs> you get to go back and just sit and enjoy nature while you, uh, while you fly fish. And, uh, I, that I, that I love. And, um, I think we moved to Colorado when I was about 10 and my family just jumped into fly fishing and it was kind of love at first sight. Um, my dad did it. And then as the boys got older, because it is a little bit more risky as you're on the water, you're wearing waders. So there is a risk of, you know, potentially washing away. So we didn't want little kids, <laughs> you know, like five-year-olds walking around in the streams. But uh, once we got a little older, everybody would get out there and going on trips together was a blast. But I didn't really do any other type of fishing until I moved to Alaska. So I graduated college and headed up there for my first assignment with the Air Force. And uh, man, talk about... <laughs> everything being bigger in Texas, forget it. Alaska is where it's at, man. Everything is just not even, it's not even on scale. And that's the fish that's like the rivers are huge. The bears are huge. You can check out a story from the last podcast about the bears up there, but, uh, it really is crazy fish season up there. I mean, anytime winter time, you can go ice fishing summertime. You can go out on the, on the rivers and there's all kinds of salmon runs, all different types of the year or different times in the year. And, uh, you can fish for them in the ocean. You can fish for them in the rivers. I mean, you can fly fish for them. You can dip net them or you just stand on the bank with a massive, <laughs> massive net. And you just like try to scoop them up as they swim past. That's uh, crazy, dude. It's, it's nuts, man. It's like, there's so <laughs> many different types that, that I never even thought about. You know, I never thought, huh? Yeah. Like the fish, the salmon, when they run, I mean, it's so thick. You look like you could just walk across the river, like on top of the salmon. That's how thick they are. And you would think it'd be really easy just to like stick your net in and get them out. But that river is running, you know, all the glacier runoff is running who knows how many miles an hour. And you, with a big ass net, it does, even though it's, you know, it's meant to let the water flow through and to catch the fish, it's still a lot of drag. So we're like... (laughs) angling up up on these things like putting them up on the rocks and like bracing it on your hip and you like slowly dip it in and then pick it back up but uh yeah there's some there's some crazy stuff up there like i don't know if you guys have ever heard of lingcod that's like a prehistoric fish one of those ones that like finding nemo that they find like at the bottom of the sea (laughs) with the little light that doesn't have the little lantern but yeah it's a it's a it's probably got a mouth we caught one probably 24 inches wide. That's crazy. dude. It was nuts. It was, it was crazy. Link, look, Lincoln, look it up. It looks uh, like aliens. Bro. Yeah, they do look <laughs> like crazy. aliens. It looks like a dinosaur, but just a beautiful place. And I think, I think that's what I enjoy 
about fishing is the variety. You know, there's so many different ways to get out and enjoy the water, whether it's rivers, ponds, lakes, or even the ocean, you know, and, uh, so many different types of fish that you can catch. (laughs) Some you can eat, some you can't, but it's always fun, uh, to try and get one. And it's even more fun when you actually hook one. Yeah. DaVinci, I think that's probably why a lot of people fall in love with fishing. Um, I know I, I fell in love with fishing because you can do it, you know, no matter where or when, and you can just go out and, and have a good time. Uh, it, it's a big stress reliever for me, um, just like hunting is. And up until a few years ago in Hawaii, you know, I wasn't putting enough time aside to get out on the water, in the water, to, to you know, just hang out with my own thoughts or, or friends and, and throw a pole in the water and drink some beers. Um, like I said, it's an activity you can go and, and grill out, grab some brewskis, hang out with some friends, uh, and benefit from hopefully catching a snack or two. You know, I, I started fishing probably when I was like seven or eight years old, um, you know, around the same time, you know, back in the day when, when you were a kid and you could ride your bike down the street, uh, without fear of being kidnapped. And, uh, Oh, the good old days, <laughs> uh, the great old days, you know, my brother, uh, he's a little older than I am, but we used to, uh, ride our bikes down to the brook, um, right down the street from where I grew up, probably about a half mile down, um, you know, standard any movie from you know 20 years ago or their kids are riding their bikes down the street you know we got our our tackle box on our handlebars and try and hold on one hand to the, the pole and, and the other hand you know on the brakes so you don't die when you're going down that hill but uh we just go down there and and hang out for an hour or two and hit the trails and hit different spots on, on the brook and uh you know catch and release and then just head home um it was also a fun family thing for me when I was growing up. Uh, we used to do a yearly summer vacation down to the Outer Banks in North Carolina. Uh, and, and part of that, you know, we'd be down in, in Rodanthia or somewhere down th- that way. We'd always hit up, uh, there's a big old pier that used to be on there. It got knocked out, you know, in a couple of hurricanes two or three times, but I'm sure they rebuilt it since. Uh, we used to just go fishing off the off the pier and, and see what we catch. And we'd be out there with a bunch of other families and they'd be doing the same thing, just enjoying being out in the weather and, and catching some good fish and just hanging out with friends and family. But uh, a few years ago, I moved out to Hawaii and I lost my ability to really go hunting like I'd like to, like I used to, and um, bought myself a surf casting pole and uh, started fishing you know, off the beach and fishing in and around marinas with some friends. And it was always a, a really good break from the work schedule because uh, if anybody's been stationed with 25th Idea out in Hawaii, you know there's not a whole lot of uh, downtime out there. Um, I was also lucky enough that one of my buddies, uh, weird enough, he's from Utah, but he got me into spearfishing, um, free dive spearfishing. So yeah, it's crazy because landlocked, you know, state like that and and dude's huge into spearfishing. Right. Like so much fun. I just moved down to South Florida. Like I think I've mentioned a couple of times. Um, but yeah, I just met a guy that does spearfishing too, and I can't freaking wait to try it out. It looks like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, absolutely. When I'm done moving, don't worry; those things will uh, they'll be in the mail on Yay. their way. <laughs> you know, get you some good old stuff there. Heck um, yeah! But yeah, so I, I got into it. You know, I borrowed his stuff to start off, uh, like a lot of people would do with, with fishing in general. And you know, after about two or three times in the water, I ended up going out and, and buying my own fins, blade, uh, spears, so I had a Hawaiian sling and a, a spear gun. Um, but most days, you know, we'd go spear fishing, and the families would come. Uh, they'd hang out on the beach, and we'd all jump in the water. Uh, we'd have the intention of going out for about an hour and coming back to take a break, drink some water, take a knee, pull security, you know, all the good stuff. Uh, but most of the time, you know, we'd end up being three hours straight in the water uh, and get some crazy Charlie horses. You know, one of the times we took some kayaks out uh, to the breaks, about 250, 300 yards off the beach. And uh, I got a Charlie horse swimming back to the kayak. That was that was a good time. But yeah, it's, it's so much fun just getting in the water again. and. Uh, it, it brought back my love for fishing. Awesome. Yeah. That, that's a really cool kind of fishing too. That's sick. Yeah. I've never been spear fishing, but that definitely sounds like something we're going to have to do on the first uh, path fishing trip. Yeah. It's water hunting pretty much. <laughs> water yeah, hunting. exactly. Yeah. That's, hunting yeah. And fishing that should combined. be the name of the podcast on this one. Water hunting. For sure. Uh, <laughs> Miami renamed. for my birthday next year is going down. Miami, let's do it up. Yee-yee. Miami. You know, Miami. It's, it's funny Will Smith you, loves it. <laughs> when you said, uh, you know, it's something you can kind of do anywhere. Um, 
back when I worked construction in the summers, you know, between college, um, my supervisor had two poles and a small tackle box in our work truck and we would fish whatever pond or puddle we could cast a line into during our lunch breaks. Or even if like traffic was too heavy, he'd be like, dude, we're going to be sitting here for like four hours anyways. And we'd just pull off and cast a line. It was fantastic. But Midas, I know you've gotten into fishing quite a bit this year. What, uh, what kind of brought this back? What prompted the revival? Yeah, man, for sure. Um, I don't know. Fishing was always such a important part of my childhood growing up. And, you know, then you like, you end up going to either go to college or you start working and, you know, I was doing both at that time. And then I commissioned and hit the ground running in the active duty army. And I mean, it's not really an excuse in retrospect, right? Because now if I could go back in time, I would have fished my whole time in the army, but you know, you just get wrapped up in what you're doing. And, uh, I just had different priorities. So I really stepped away from something that I really used to enjoy for God, about 10 years, maybe longer. Uh, and then I got out of the army and moved to Michigan, um, West Michigan, right on the, the shoreline of Lake Michigan and it, it's just like part of the culture here, which was super cool, dude. Like hunting and fishing is such a big deal out here. And it was a big deal where I grew up too. So it's really nice kind of returning to that culture a bit. And I just, I guess, I don't know, man. Like I just, I felt the itch, you know, it like it pulled me back in and I was looking at all the boats going down the road and you know, where I'm positioned, like Lake Michigan's, you know, five minutes from my house. It's just sick. So there's just so much opportunity right out my front door and then COVID hit and I was kind of sitting at home one day with my wife and uh, she was waiting to start her new job here, which got delayed because of COVID. And I had been furloughed from work and we're like, well, what are we going to do with all this time we've got? And we're like, I was like, Hey, you want to, you want to get a kayak and we can kind of get out there and spend some time together and actually make the best of this shit situation. And she's like, hell yeah. So, so that's what we did. And that kind of jump started that for me. Um, and just to highlight what you just said to Roniel about it, like you can literally fish anywhere. It's so cool, man, because if you actually do a little research, just go on Instagram and look at like carp fishing in Europe. And dudes will be pulling like mondos out of channels in the Netherlands. Damn. Like fishing right next to their car, like on a cobblestone street, typical European scene with a fishing pole and pulling up, you know, 25 pound carp. Are and they it's wear- just wooden shoes. Is it like that? Kind of- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think they're too loud. They actually scare the fish away. So I think they're frowned upon. We need to get Jeremy Wade out there for River Monsters episode. The clip club. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good call. So he's actually been to uh, some lakes in Germany on that same show to highlight some of the stuff that he's heard. So, yeah, dude. Like the point is, is like, and dude, that's a perfect example, man. River Monsters is a lit show, it is one of my favorites, dude. Boom. It's so sick. Like he'll go to, you know, some of those beautiful places in the planet, like South America. He'll fish the little cenote holes. He'll fish the Mekong in Vietnam. And he just pulls up all kinds of wild stuff. And it's just monster stingrays the size of a thousand pound stingrays. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy, dude. So that's my point. Like, even if you're in some place, unless you're like in the Mojave desert or something, you're like, oh, I can't fish around me. Like, Dude, I got a pond behind my job that I pull bass out of all the time. It's just fun to go out. So get out there and try it. That's my public service announcement. (laughs) I like it. However, uh, getting back on track and to uh, answer Bronial's questions is really good. Um, So, yeah, man, I grew up fishing Lake Champlain with my dad. We had a lot of great memories. He had a little 17-foot Sylvan boat it was tan it had no decking in it we had a 25 horse um evanrude little outboard and dude, it was a beast man it took us everywhere we needed to go and we just had so much fun when i was a little kid doing that and then in the winter guess what ice fishing 
it was it was money. Um, I remember. I don't know if you guys know this, but there was like a pretty decent sized earthquake uh, that happened in Vermont in like the late nineties. And I was actually out there fishing with my dad. I was sitting on a five gallon bucket, staring at my hole, waiting for my rod to go. And this earthquake hit and it knocked me off my bucket. Like, I don't know, kind of random fact, but you know, you just, <laughs> you encounter so much random stuff when you're out fishing just cause you're outside and you never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah, dude. and like, all right, I, I got a quick story for you guys. You want to you want to hear one about Boomer? Oh yeah, yes. your stories about Boomer. Yeah, hear Boomer. Boomer, story? Boomer Gloomer. Let's do it, dude. A Boomer story a day keeps the doctor away, man. That's they're just they're always so good. Um, so when Boomer and I were kids, we were in high school. He uh, hit me up. He's like, "Hey, do you want to go to this lake in New Hampshire?" Uh, my parents decided to get away for like a week. Got a really good price on this little lodge house we're just gonna rent it and they've got some boats and stuff we can go fishing i was like hell yeah dude it was summertime like whatever uh i was working part-time but i told my boss hey i gotta go so we went out there and it was awesome it was awesome so we we're out on this lake for a solid week in this little john boat and i had this like eight or nine horsepower outboard motor just a little something to get us around and we went out across this lake and there's this little cove on the other side of the lake and boomer called it nasty cove because we kept catching all these bass and they had these like really soft like kind of soggy stomachs it was weird it was like yeah it was kind of gross but we caught so many fish there so he called it nasty cove um so we're out at nasty cove and we're like all right cool we've been fishing here for about 40 minutes let's go ahead and fire up the motor and get to another spot so we start cranking on the motor, cranking on the motor, cranking on the motor does not start. So we're like, fuck, like what's going on with this thing? Uh-oh. So yeah, dude. So we tried like everything, man. We're like hitting the pump and like <laughs> doing all kinds of feeling, stuff, man. man. That's a terrible uh, feeling. Yeah. And it wasn't our boat. So it's not oh, like. Oh no, we, that's even worse. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. It was, it was the largest boat. So it's not like we had a active like knowledge of how it worked or any of the like if it had any weird kinks or if we had to like you know kick the two stroke a certain angle or you know like all that funky (laughs) stuff right um yeah dude so (laughs) then we start looking around the boat and we're like oh shit okay well luckily there's a paddle in here that's pretty sweet i'm glad that they supplied us with one of those so boomer grabs it and we agreed we're going to start paddling in shifts like 15 minute shifts so he starts paddling out in the front, like this little boat. And you guys know he's, he's a big boy. He's a little, a little awkward. So it was just, it was a funny scene in general. Um, and then, so I, I start like tracing the lines and everything come out of the engine. And then uh, I see this little switch at the bottom of the oh, no. bottom of the side. And I'm like, <laughs> what does this do? And one of us had kicked it shut and it was literally the fucking fuel line. So we had shut off the fuel line to the engine, which oh is why it, God. yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, just dumb kids, man. So priceless. Yeah. So that I literally, I was like, Hey, Hey Boomer. And he turns around and I'm like, check this out. And I flipped the switch and I fire up the engine. He's sweating his ass off. dude. He just, <laughs> he just paddled this fucking boat with a dinky little canoe paddle for 15 minutes and I just fire up the engine and we just motor on back. And he was so pissed for like five minutes, man. He was so fucking butthurt. I could just see him sitting up in the front of the boat, like not talking. He's not making <laughs> yeah. eye contact with you. He's just like yeah. not having yeah. it, man. Just he's he like, was not. He's not having it. He was 100% but. sure that you turned that off on purpose and made him paddle. <laughs> in that, that, that was his brain. I mean, we had two dudes in a little boat with some big feats, you know, some, somebody kicked that switch and just kind of did what it did. So, oh my God. But anyhow, I just remember that story. Sorry to sidetrack us, but that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like you don't get those kind of funny stories if you don't get out there and get it. You just don't. Um, yeah, yeah man. It's like, I'm a, <laughs> you mentioned ice fishing and yeah. I never in my life ever ice fished because I mean, growing up in Colorado and, you know, a little bit in Michigan, but we were kids, you know, in the wintertime, we went skiing. We didn't go fishing. We went skiing in the wintertime. 
and we would, you know, we'd go up to Boyne mountain or, you know, some of those other little mountains are hills. Uh, I, I discovered they were hills after I moved to Colorado, uh, and found real, real mountains for skiing. But like, that's what we did in the wintertime. There was no talk of ice fishing ever, you know? And then I moved to Alaska and it's like ice fishing is the only fishing you can do for like nine months out of the year, <laughs> you know? So you kind of have to, if you want to fish, you have to make it happen. And we're brand new, a couple of new second lieutenants have no idea what we're doing. Borrow a hand auger from a neighbor, oh, right? Dude, those are the worst. Oh my gosh. And I had no idea. I'm thinking, you know. It's like a three inch hole too. Yeah. I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, this will be fine. You know, it'll be, it'll be fine. So we take, you know, we just put some wood in the back and, you know, like one of those little cast iron, uh, like fire pit things. So we were going to set that on the ice and that was going to keep us warm. Right. And this is Alaska. Okay. In February, yeah, it's yeah. like negative 35 degrees and we've got our big ass car hearts on, but you're wet, you know, because you're, you're trying to do the auger thing and you're sweaty. And then when you finally break through the water goes everywhere and then you're, you know, taking your gloves off to try to put the lines in and yeah, you're trying to drink a beer, slush. but your beer's like turning to frozen slushy beer, you know, smoothies. And I mean, we were just struggling, just struggling. And I remember we had been out there just taking turns, augering this hole. And it's not like, you know, Ohio or, you know, there's some places in the lower 48 that get cold in the wintertime and the lakes freeze over. Right. But we were like right on the edge and the, the ice was probably, I don't know, 18 inches thick. I mean, it was insanity. Like, and this guy, I remember we've been out there just hand augering for forever to try to get through this ice. And I remember this guy drives past. He's got his big ass, like, uh, he literally had a cabin, like a little mini cabin on the back of his truck, like on a trailer. And we're out there with just the truck and a little fire pit. And like, we had barely finished one hole. And this guy drives past us in his big ass truck with his trailer with a cabin that he's going to drop on the ice and leave out there all winter. And he's got his big ass gas powered auger and like a big ass case of beer. And he just like looks at us and he just gives us like the little, you know, two finger wave. And we give him like the two finger wave back. And then as soon as he passed, we're both giving him the bird. I mean, it was, <laughs> I was like, all right, we need to go make friends with that guy. Cause he knows what he's doing when it comes to ice fishing. And <laughs> we definitely don't. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Good times. Good times up in Alaska. Yeah, dude. Like on the surface, ice fishing is not appealing. Like you're literally. Not at all. <laughs> not so at all. You, got, you got to go out on this ice. And if you're doing it right, you're taking a four wheeler or a truck out there or a snowmobile, right? So if you're driving in a truck, you got to make sure the ice is thick enough so you don't fall through, have the Coast Guard come rescue you and look like a dumbass. And. So you got to do all that. You got to get out to your spot. Then you got to drill all these goddamn holes. Then you got to set up your lines on tip ups or whatever method you're doing, or you sit in a shanty and you just wait, you just like jig your, your rods. So you're not really casting. So you don't get like that level of activity out of it and you just wait. Yeah. You literally sit there and look at your, your lines and drink beer. And hope you don't freeze to death. So on the topic of drinking beer and hoping you don't freeze to death, who wants to hear another <laughs> boomer story? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> it sounds about time. Oh, gosh. Be, I do. I do. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be quicker this time. Um, so it was like February. I don't even know what year it was. Maybe 2015. Yeah, I actually think it was. Wow. Uh, anyhow. So I decided to go up back home to Vermont for a week, see my mom, see my friends, hang out. Uh, just went through some interesting experiences. I was like, F this, I got to get out of here. So I, I get home and my buddies throw this big old rager in downtown Burlington. And those of you who don't know, there's a little bar called Ake's Place in downtown Burlington. They sell these like $5 Long Islands. So they used to, they're probably like $25 now. Um, and we hammered them. I, I think Boomer bought me, I swear to God, guys, he bought me seven Long Islands that night. 
Oh, Lord. Sounds like he was trying to get you drunk, baby. Oh, yeah, Lord. That's right. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, yeah. He was trying to take advantage of me. Um, <laughs> no, but we, so we just got plastered, dude. Like one of my buddies puked in his girlfriend's Prius. They almost broke up that night. Another buddy. Well, she was driving uh, a Prius. He probably should have just made it happen. You know, that's a big fact. Um, <laughs> another buddy uh, punched through the uh, window of his house to get in. So he was in the process of breaking up with his girlfriend. Excuse me. And she uh, refused to let him in the house. Um, so that was pretty bad. Boomer got into a ton of shit because he called his girlfriend at the time at two o'clock in the morning and told her he had dinner reservations at a theater down the street. Didn't even make sense. Like everyone was just incoherent as fuck, just sloppy. So, <laughs> Wait, what? He called her at two a.m. to say he had reservations, dude. It was literally like that scene from Bad Boys Two when he's like calling Vargas and Reyes, and he's like out there wandering around in the fucking street on Church Street, and he's talking to his girlfriend. She's like, "Where are you?" And he's like, "Oh." We got we got dinner reservations, and she's like, "What? Where?" He's like, "Oh, down at the Flynn. We got dinner right now." Like the Flynn Theater in Burlington <laughs> is like not a place to go for dinner. It doesn't even make sense. So anyhow, um, the next morning we were driving to uh, uh, Clarkson, upstate New York, where Boomer went to college to go party some more, and uh, I graced three gas stations, toilets along the way with my puke. It was horrible. I've never been so hungover in my life. Anyhow, fast forward to Rouse's Point Bridge. There's a gas station right there before you cross into uh, New York from Vermont. And we're, dude, I was like, dude, you got, you got to stop, man. You got to stop. I'm not going to make it. He pulls over to the parking lot of this gas station. I opened the door to his car and I puke right in the parking lot. Like I tried so hard, guys. I was like, it was just so bad. Anyhow, I throw up. I look up and this old lady who's standing like three inches away from my puke. I was like, what the, f- <laughs> who does this? She, she looks at me and she's like a little too much ice fishing boys. I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? But now I get it. Cause all the local dudes, man, they just go out on the ice and they get so hammered. Yep. Probably because it's so cold and boring. They don't really have anything else to do. Big facts right there. Big facts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like, you know, stuff dripping down my channel. I was like, what? What are you, you talking about? to be sober to, uh, to reel in a, a fish off the ice, you know? Right. Exactly. I was like, what are you talking about, Doris? Get the fuck out of here. But anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, sorry, guys. That, that's my last boomer story for the night. Um, it's all his fault. I blame him. <laughs> And uh, so fast forward to modern day and I am in the perfect spot to fish for all kinds of species. So I'm pretty determined to soak up all those experiences that I can. And, uh, you know, I encourage that for anybody, no matter where you live, no matter what you love to do, if you can do it in your area, get out there and get after it. We've been having so many people telling us to stay home, stay inside, be afraid this year, be afraid all the time. It's ridiculous. Get out there. You can still be responsible, but get out there and actually enjoy what's going on around you. Do it. You will not regret it. I promise. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely something that we all need to get back in and doing because getting stuck at home, especially if if you're working, whether or not you have kids, you know, you're now you're stuck at your house for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and just getting outside is such a nice thing to do. Um, I know I, at first, you know, I got into golfing out here for that, but if, you know, if I had my fishing, um, uh, get up, you know, unpacked and, and ready to go, I, I definitely would have been out fishing more, uh, especially in Northern Virginia. But, you know, when I was out in Hawaii, um, like I said before, I got into spear fishing, and you might think that that's something that's a, uh, year long type activity, but typically for spear fishing, it's, it's, it's about eight months out of the year. There are some folks that, that do spearfish year round, but most of the time spearfishing is for eight months and generally around the same time, you don't fish off of a boat either. Um, cause in the winter time, it's when the big swells come in and you know, that's when you know, you've got pipeline and the eddy, uh, everything on North shore that people are like, Oh man, I wish I can surf that good. And you know, they're, they're out there falling in a kiddie pool on a surfboard thinking they can ride a 50 foot wave. Um, but I know that 
you know, moving to California here in, in about a, a week, there's a, uh, there's a lake down the street from the house I just bought. And so I'm excited to, to get out there and go fishing. Are you looking at some John boats, trolling motor, you know, all the good stuff. And based off of, uh, Midas's story, I'll make sure I have two paddles in the boat that way. And one person that's stuck paddling, we get make two people paddle once the, uh, the motor goes out. So I appreciate Brilliant. that. Brilliant. Yeah. It's, uh, it's forward thinking right there. So I like to call that. Yeah. You just got to be careful where you put the fuel shutoff switch, you know, the well, fuel line. that's why it's going to be electric. There's, there's no fuel. <laughs> oh yeah. There you, know? you go. Yeah. Just got to make sure I charge it before going out. <laughs> go green. Just, just yeah. tell Boomer to keep his feet to himself. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's all you need. Yeah, man. Like this going back to the spirit fishing thing. Um, for the, you guys that don't know, um, Irish is being kind enough to, uh, send me his old spear fishing stuff since I just moved down here to South Florida, uh, like South Miami, which I didn't Let, even know. Just that- clear this up, you know, just like the last episode is for services rendered. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> services <laughs> rendered. The, the air force special. <laughs> right. Hey, I'm not They're in the Navy. Real, okay. Real, real gentle hands, real gentle hands. <laughs> but yeah, dude, like I met a couple guys down here that do spear fishing. I mean, they do at all all fishing but i was really surprised actually how few beaches there are in uh, the florida keys it's all water sports so jet skis boats fishing that's pretty much all it is so i was kind of surprised i thought there was going to be a lot more time like sitting on a beach and chilling um that's not the case everybody is always out fishing or uh lobstering or all these different things and uh so I can't wait to like hunt and fish at the same time where you jump in the water with a spear gun and you just feel like Bear Grylls. Is that how it feels, Irish? When you jump in the water, you feel like Bear Grylls or uh, what's that guy's name from Australia? Uh, uh, the crocodile hunter. Steve Irwin. May he rest in <laughs> well, peace. I, 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 rip, I like baby, the thing rip. Bear Grylls channels his inner you know, Irish when he goes out there. Oh, I'm sure he but, does. Uh, he thinks about especially you. Especially when he drinks his own piss. All, all I got to say <laughs> is, you know, for the uh, the price of the services rendered for the the spear gun, I will send you a Hawaiian sling mm. as well. So if you really think you're good, you know, you can is take that, that a, out. For, is that a G string? It, it's pretty close. So oh, for okay. those who don't know, you know, a spear gun uh, generally is a one or two band um, kind of gun looking thing that shoots a spear. So you know, it's fairly easy to uh, to picture in your mind. Uh, but a Hawaiian sling is actually just anywhere between a four and eight foot pole with a three prong um, pointy end, so to speak. Oh yeah. And uh, you, you have a rubber, basically the same rubber bands that you use on a spear gun is also on that pole. And you, uh, you draw it back in your hand and use basically just that rubber band off your hand and you aim with, you know, it's a, it's a very, you know, hip fire type aim. Um, There's a few techniques, but generally speaking, you're, you're not, reaching out as far as you would with a, with a spear gun, but it's definitely a little more challenging and, and definitely a whole lot of fun. So I'll, I'll throw that your way. See Man. if you can get, uh, get some yeah. fish with that. That's I've gotten cr- a few. That's crazy. I'm definitely going to have to pick your brain about like all the different techniques and stuff for, uh, the spear fish game. Cause I'm super pumped to get into that. Cause I love to dive. I've been doing scuba for a number of years and this is like, you know, it's mostly free diving, but it's still into the water and you're, you're under, under the water, you're diving down, you know, anywhere from, you know, 10 to 30 feet ish, uh, at least in the waters that we've got down here. But we do, I can't wait to really get into it and also get into lobstering. Cause that's a big thing down here too, is, um, you know, you can go to the local restaurant for tourists and get, you know, two lobster tails or three lobster tails for like 45 bucks. Or you can spend an afternoon on a boat and catch your limit and, you know, you just fry them up yourself or put them on the grill or, you know, whatever and cook them up with butter and a little bit of lime juice, lemon juice. Oh man, like so pumped. One other thing you could do is uh, get yourself a nice Glock piece and a suppressor, you know, and and go down there and and shoot yourself some of those, what, lionfish (laughs) or whatever those things are. Pieces of fish. Oh yeah, yeah, I heard those dude. are good good eating too. So the old thunderball oh, go down yeah. there, just shooting underwater and shit. And, and they're not afraid of you. So you just put her up to the dome piece and, and pull the old trig. Hey, I'm not Tom Cruise. Okay, I'm pretty sure he's the only guy that shoots pistols underwater. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't YouTube sound, 
All YouTube right. it. I'll YouTube it. I'll YouTube it. Just like, just and, like uh, you got to YouTube the archery ducks. Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. You call this archaeology? <laughs> Dude. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. Nice. But yeah, man, like we went lobstering the other day. First time ever. You know, I wasn't participating. I was, you know, I was a, the new gringo sitting at the top uh, floating and just, you know, I dive down a little bit and watch. But it's a crazy sport, man, because they've got this big, long, like, uh, like aluminum or plastic, you know, depending on what you got. It's basically like a big dowel, like a big uh, rod. And you kind of you like tease these little lobsters or big because you can't you can't keep the little ones, but you the bigger ones, they sit under these coral heads. So it's like you dive down and these coral heads come out of the water or they come out of the, the sand and these things like sit under the ledges. So they're like sitting on the sand and they're just like looking for, you know, the little, um, particles that they can snatch and eat and, you know, little dead fish and all that kind of stuff. And so you tease them with this big, long rod, which I think I've heard of this yeah. one before. <laughs> I've heard this game before. <laughs> yeah, I take you talking about teasing long rod for so long. <laughs> putting this in my lap. Right. Yeah. That's right. But, yeah, that's one way to get a forty-five dollar lobster. But dinner. these guys, the, these lobsters, they swim backwards. If you guys don't know, lobsters, they don't, they don't like flap their tail like a normal fish and swim forward. They like scoop it, and they've got crazy thin tail things. And they, they, when they swim, they swim backwards. So you are going after them with this little uh, aluminum rod, and you hold the net behind them. And so when they shoot out from underneath the coral head, you just like position the net right behind them and they just swim right into your net <laughs> because they can't see what's behind them. I never knew that. So Kinda it was like really a, cool to watch. Uh, like an old lady in a Walmart parking lot. You think they're going to go forward and surprise, <laughs> <laughs> they go the other way. Right? Yeah, but you got to wear gloves because they've got those little barbs on their carapace and that shit stings. Ooh. Yeah, no bueno, no bueno. So I've been on, you know, $50,000 bass boats that this guy that I know has all the way down to myself fishing in a tiny little sunfish uh, sailboat by myself. But for me, I just love being plopped in a canoe waiting on some smallmouth. But, you know, kind of what is your favorite type of fishing? We'll start with you, Midas. Yeah, well, you know, there's there's an awful lot of broats out there. <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of broats. A lot of broats, a lot of different kinds of broats that'll get you where you need to be. But uh, for me, I really enjoy uh, salmon catching. So you guys notice how I didn't say salmon fishing? Yeah, right? that catching. Yeah, catching is different than fishing, folks. Very different. Um, especially, so the only way to catch salmon, unlike Michigan, is to troll. Uh, you can jig later on in the season in rivers, but the best way is to troll. So basically what you do is you just get all kinds of these lines out in the water, typically around the month of May and then the tail end of July through August. And you're, you're trolling for kings and cohos and you're just putting out different lines at different depths. Um, there's, borderline of science to it. It's pretty impressive. Um, and you're, you're using a combo of these things called downriggers, which are basically these like big old, like five pound metal balls. I mean, they might even be heavier. I don't know, but you send them down on wire to the fixed depth and with your line clip to it, run your line out like six feet from there, 10 feet, whatever you want. So it holds your line down at a particular depth, which is awesome because it allows you to target them if you know that they're schooling at a certain depth that day based on water temperature, food variety, whatever. And so you mix those out with uh, planer boards too. So let's keep your your lines kind of out to the side so they don't tangle because there's nothing worse than putting, you know, if you got three dudes on a boat so you can run nine lines, three per person, and they all get tangled up. It sucks so bad. So anyhow, there, there's all kinds of different techniques, but moral of the story is you put a bunch of lines out and then you chug along in a boat at like three and a half miles an hour until one of your lines go off and you set your drag properly so that 
when a salmon hits your line, I mean, obviously the rod gets bent, but you just hear the drag screaming off of it, which is so sick. That is one of the best sounds in the world, I swear to God. And yeah, so like when you're not catching, it's super boring because you're just kind of chugging along, probably drinking some beer, playing some music. And it's cool, right? Like you're hanging out, but after putting all that effort into like preparing the boat, getting it out there, prepping your lines, getting all your lines out there, you really want to be catching something. So, um, you know, it's just, it's so boring when you're not catching anything, but I mean, we've had it happen many times now, but when your line goes off and you grab hold of that thing and it almost pulls it out of your hands because it's like a 20 plus pound salmon. It is so sick, guys. Like, it is an amazing rush. And because of that, I've developed so much respect for the power of those fish. Like, they're insanely strong. Like, to for, you know, a 25-pound fish to fight a 250-pound man for, like, 20 minutes plus, that's, that's just – it's incredible. It's so sweet. Um, yeah, so – that's my favorite overall. Um, I filled up my freezer this year, which is awesome. So like when COVID was going on, everyone's like, oh my God, there's a meat shortage. And I was like, what do you mean? Because I had, I think at one point I had 18 pounds of salmon fillets. It was just so sick. Just stacked amazing. Up. Yeah, just stacked up. And it was the best, most fresh, just awesome quality meat you could get. So it was just, it was great. Um, but I will say though, that my favorite kind of fishing is bass fishing and they're just like so much more accessible. You don't need a boat that can take on, you know, three foot waves to get out and fish bass. You can do it in a kayak canoe from shore, a pedal boat, paddle boat. Uh, my wife had one of her friends come out and visit us and she actually caught a uh, five pound catfish on a paddle board. Uh, luckily we had her tied off to the back of our kayak, which was anchored because <laughs> otherwise she'd probably still be out there today trying to rein it in. Uh, so it's just like, you never know what's going to happen. Like you could just get hit with all kinds of crazy stuff. Whereas if you're out on the big lake fishing, you're pretty much either getting a salmon or a lake trout. That's it. Like when your line goes off, it's one of those two things. Like very rarely is it anything different. But in the bayous and the different rivers and stuff, in the small ponds and lakes, like you just, it's so much more fun and you're casting actively. So you're not sitting around waiting, which for me, it's just great. There's a lot more technique, a lot more focus that's required. And uh, it's just, it's a lot more fun in my opinion. Uh, we don't eat bass. I have eaten them in the past, but we just put them back. Uh, we don't even eat the catfish here. I think we're going to figure that out one for next year though. And we just like putting them back because they're trophy fish. You know, they're fun. They fight like a bastard. And, you know, it's just, it's a good time, man. It's just awesome when you feel that nibble or then when they just smack your line and it just gets bent. Like it's just, it's sweet. It is so sick. Um, yeah, we went out. Uh, weekend before this one and caught nine bass, uh, a walleye and a carp. And we were chasing some salmon up the river, which was super sick to see them darting around. So it's just, it's a really good time. So yeah, I don't know. I'd have to say bass fishing is my favorite kind of fishing, but catching salmon, there's nothing like it. Yeah, dude, like salmon fishing, man, it's, it, you never really know like how hard a fish can pull on your line until you're standing in a, in a boat or like for me in waders, you know, in a river in Alaska and, uh, <laughs> doing salmon fish. I mean, it's just salmon fishing on a fly rod is like, you, you would never think that, a, you know, you've guys seen those tiny little fly rods, right? They've got, Oh, they yeah. just look yeah. like really flimsy and fragile. You would never think that you would be able to catch a salmon on those. And that is probably my like fly fishing in general, but fly fishing for salmon in Alaska, hands down, like the most fun I've ever had with my clothes on. Totally. Like it's insanity. <laughs> it's insanity, yeah. man. Isn't it though, dude? Because it's, you've got this so tiny sick. little rod 
and this tiny little line. And you're like, there's no way because the, the Kings up there are like 80, 90 pounds. I mean, they can get up to like over a hundred pounds. Jeez. Oh, it's yeah, insane. Dude, it is. Insane. It's nuts. So you're standing in the river. Usually you catch them from boats, but you know, occasionally you get lucky and you can hook them. And I've never actually reeled one in. <laughs> I've fought one <laughs> for a little while, but I've never actually caught a King in a river in Alaska. Uh, Literally the coolest thing ever when you're standing in the middle of the river, you know, you're up to your waist in freezing cold glacier water. And this king is just, you know, and you like your fly rod is literally like it looks like a fish hook. It's bent so much and it's just bent all the way over. And you're like, this thing is going to snap and it's going to smack me in the face. (laughs) And it, you know, it just holds up. And then you get to have a great time on the river in nature and fight this massive animal that I've never actually reeled in, but it was still a lot of fun. So that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a hell of a time. Dude, it was nuts. It was nuts. To kind of break it down and get a little more technical with it. I'd love to get into some modern gear and, and kind of what you prefer. Last thing I knew about was scented bait and a couple of different shakers, but what are your like, I don't know, let's call it top five lures or essential pieces of fishing gear that you take with you. Uh, yeah, dude, that's, that's a tough question. Uh, I literally bought a rolling toolbox for my garage this past year just to hold all my lures and like soft plastics and stuff. <laughs> so that wifey break- love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She did actually. We, well, uh, she we gets f- out there with you. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a lot of mutual buy-in there, which is great. And I don't have any lures that are off limits for her. So, uh, but yeah, dude, like I think. A lot of people get super wrapped up in like the latest, greatest lures. I've been guilty of it. I'm like, ooh, I don't have one of those yet. And I buy it at like six bucks a piece. And then I wrap it around a sunken log and have to cut my line. And I'm like, shit, well, that wasn't good. That's so, the worst. That's yeah, the worst. exactly. Um, I guess like real quick on, on rods, um, you can't go wrong with like an ugly stick. If you're just getting into it, just a Shakespeare ugly stick, spinning rod. They're great. Uh, I like braided line personally because you can just get yourself out of a lot more snags than you can with mono filament, which is more like your clear plastic line. Braid is like a lot less diameter, tends to be a lot stronger, a little more expensive, but worth the investment. Um, don't get a bait caster if you're a new fisherman. I'm actually just getting a new bait caster set up myself. Uh, they're just really finicky and if you bird's nest like every other cast with the damn thing because the brakes aren't working or something's wrong with it, then it's just a horrible experience. So stick with the basics. Get yourself a spinning rod. As far as lures goes, though, I came across something sweet this year, boys. Really cool. And I actually learned this from salmon fishing. So fish are attracted to ultraviolet traces on lures. Hmm. Not not always, but for some reason they pick up the spectrum, which is pretty sick. Um, so I started having really good success on UV spoons with salmon in the big lake. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if there's like any good UV uh, lures just for bass or walleye or whatever. And there's this thing called a hot and tot. And they come in these bright ass colors that are ultraviolet. And it's got this big spoon on the front. It's like a shad kind of jitterbug looking thing, but it's got a big spoon. So as you reel it in, it dives deeper. So it allows you to like cast out and you don't have to let it sink. You don't have to wait. So as soon as it hits the water, you just start reeling. It dives and bass love that thing. Like especially, especially around dusk, man, when the sun's setting, they light that up. It's sick. Get yourself one of those. Highly recommend it. And then, guys, the instant classic, Nightcrawler on a hook. You can't go wrong. Uh, Other than fish like bluegill and sunnies kind of stealing it off your hook if you don't have a sensitive enough rod. That's the worst. Yeah, it it sucks so bad. We've had that happen a lot. (laughs) But, but yeah, like it's super versatile. Uh, You you can catch bass. Um, We've caught multiple catfish on worms and a bobber, which I was not prepared for at all. That was really cool. And uh, bowfin as well. So they're like a really long predator fish. They look like a snakehead. 
really similar to that. Um, da Vinci, if you don't know what a snakehead is yet, they're uh, intrusive, <laughs> courtesy of China. Uh, pretty heavy in Florida, so we'll, we'll catch some. But they're all from China. Okay, China. Everything, China. everything bad comes from China. That's what I hear. That's what they tell me. Okay. Dude, that's... Including it's, it's Biden. He doesn't true. know it, but he's from China. Okay. China. That's right. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, thank you for that. That was good. Um, moving down the list, so that was number two. Number three is a little Cleo casting spoon. Sounds kind of weird, but it's literally like this concave spoon-shaped piece of metal that are brightly covered, covered, colored with a uh, three-pronged treble hook on the bottom. And I'm telling you, boys, those things, they come in at about half an ounce and you put that on a rod and you can cast them like damn near 100 meters if you got a really good rod set up. And everything from salmon will hit them. My mom, 64 years old, caught like a, I think it was like a 15 pound, um, oh, what was it? It was a drum off a pier in Lake Michigan with that thing. It was so sick watching that happen. So highly recommend them as well. Sam will love them. Pike will smoke them. Even Big Bass will go for them. But sometimes you just get skunked. You don't know. You're like, damn, nothing is biting. What am I going to use today? That's when you whip out the wacky rig. Just got to whip your worm out and let it hang. What? Gosh. Let me, let this me explain. This episode is classic. We let got, me explain. We got long rods that are teasing under for things, and we got wacky worms that are just hanging out. Like That's right. That's bad news, man. <laughs> so, bad news. Let me explain. I promise. <laughs> I've got a good good explanation for this one. So, you got all these like little plastic worms, right? You see them in stores. You've seen them, I don't know, probably in different places. And you've got, I don't know, they're like four inches long. And obviously they're pretty wobbly. A lot of people just hook them on the end and throw them out there, but you're really missing out on a lot of the motion of the worm. So a wacky rig, you actually hook it right through the middle. So both sides are kind of dangling off the end. And dude, you just put that thing out there. Cast it out there wherever you think there's bass. Let it sink. Let the line float on the top. And then you'll see the line start getting tugged underneath the water. Then you start reeling in and then boom, set the hook and you're on it. Like, dude, it is amazing. It is like clockwork. Uh, Gary Yamamoto is a company, apparently some Japanese gentleman who makes the best floppy worms. Uh, (laughs) If you, uh, you get out there, get some of his stuff. They're like eight bucks a pack. Totally worth it. Number five. And I'm going to get some awes from the crowd here, but uh, I think the most important thing to bring with you fishing is a buddy. Oh, I know. Sounds super lame, but (laughs) facts. Big facts. At the end of the day. Yeah. Fishing's best enjoyed with a loved one or a, a good friend. Somebody you can get out there and just chop it up with and have a good time. Um, you know, my wife and I have had an awesome experience this year fishing together. We got a tandem fishing kayak. Requires a lot of coordination. Um, you got to like paddle at the same time. And we have not gotten divorced. So I guess that worked out pretty well. Um, <laughs> Teamwork. <laughs> well apparently done. that's ruined some relationships. So be careful with the tandem kayak thing, guys. If you aren't 100% confident, be careful. Uh, but now, man, like we went out, you know, salmon fishing and watching her fight a coho on the big lake was just absolutely awesome. Watching her fight a catfish, trying to like go under our kayak and take us for a ride. It was just super fun. And, you know, it can definitely help your relationship grow. And, you know, for dudes getting out there with your buddies or for girls getting out there with your friends, it's just awesome. Like, why not? You know? And by the way, if you catch something monstrous, yeah, I know we all got, you know, camera phones and stuff, but that way you've got somebody who can actually corroborate your story that we don't look like that old classic fisherman who says he caught like a blue whale in a pond or something. So I highly encourage bringing a buddy. Yeah, that's always a good point. Like 
I love playing golf alone. And luckily, the one time that I hit a hole in one, I had three witnesses. So when you tell <laughs> those fish stories, it's important that you have somebody that can back that shit up, you know? <laughs> kind of like getting a Texas headshot. You know, it's such a rare opportunity <laughs> that you definitely want people to understand what just happened and be there to corroborate your story. Yeah, absolutely. But I think for me, as somebody that's done mostly fly fishing, at least for the majority of my life, as far as gear goes, it's really hard for me to pick certain flies um, because it literally changes all the time. You know, it's all based on the hatch, you know, what type of insect is hatching and it changes daily and sometimes even, you know, hourly, like. In the morning, it might be midges. In the afternoon, it might be caddis. And it's it's always dependent on what is actually going on on the river. So I think if you have a fly box with 10 or different, 10 or 15 different types of flies in there, you know, maybe one or two, maybe three of some more common ones, I think that's probably like your number one if you're fly fishing. Um, and most of my fly fishing is in Colorado, a little bit in Alaska, but. I haven't got into it down here yet. I plan on it, but, uh, in Colorado, like a little fly box, you know, where you can put, cause these things are tiny, you know, and you wouldn't think that they could catch a fish cause the hook is like just a little tiny baby hook inside of, you know, like some pheasant tail or little fuzzy. I mean, they look just tiny, but again, they're on a fly rod. So you got to be able to work them back and forth. But I think 10 or 15 different flies in a fly box, that is definitely something you should take. And then I think after that, um, you definitely want a hat because you're up in the up in the mountains fly fishing and some sunscreen. Make sure you get the like underside of your chin. I made that mistake one day. Uh, <laughs> and the underside of your nose because all that light reflecting back off of the way. Oh, it'll bite you. It'll bite you. <laughs> Like the hat is good, but if you don't, it's, it's, it's all backwards. All the sunlight comes up from underneath and it's like Forrest Gump, you know, and sometimes the rain was even coming up from underneath. (laughs) The sun just comes up and it'll bite you. But I think that a flask and probably your favorite cigar and a torch lighter and you're good to go. Midas already covered the buddy. And uh, (laughs) I think that's a very important part, but it's always good to have a nice stick and uh, a little flask while you're out on the river. I think that that's my like ideal fishing experience. So torch lighter though, let's highlight that. Okay. Because it can be really windy on the water. Very important. Torch you lighter. Butane torch. You Very do. Very important. I'm telling you, you need it. Very important. Yeah. Definitely no, no little Bic lighter. Uh, some of you guys want to get fancy and use matches. Just, just, yeah. just, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Okay. I've been there. Yeah. It's not going to happen. No, no little bix, no little bix. <laughs> nope. Yeah, that sounds sounds like a good collection of top tips right there. I gotta say though, <clears throat> these past two weeks, man, these since since our last talk, I've been looking at black powder hunting laws because I just bought a black powder, and uh, man, I I'm getting deep into it. I think uh, either this late this season or maybe next season is going to be the one for me to get out there with a black powder. But uh, now that we're talking about fishing, I mean, I know right where my money's going. But luckily, I can wait until next spring to do that because I'm not doing no ice fishing up here in Vermont, man. Come That's on. <laughs> no, no, just do it, bro. On. It's great. It's so much fun, <laughs> it's man. It's so much fun. It is, though. <laughs> is it, though? Is it? It is it, though. <laughs> uh, but, hey, thanks thanks to you guys for taking the time to uh, to talk this through, not only for the audience, but for me as well. Uh, it's always great to hear your perspectives and, and stuff that I never thought that I would really hear about, like spear fishing for one. Um, that sounds like an incredible rush. And then just a huge thanks to the fantastic folks over at Mission First Tactical. Hopefully we're going to see some fun stuff coming out, maybe for a CZ Scorpion at some point. I don't know. What? That's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, what I'm, I'm going about. for it, boys. We're going for we, it. We got to get that connection rolling quick. Yeah, baby. Hell yeah. A little R&D. <laughs> just a little bit but until then i mean it's still one of the if not the best one-stop shop 
for AR accessories, pistol holsters, uh, drinkware, and even more. You got to check out their site. And if you do choose to shop there, make sure you use the code PATH5 at checkout. It's all one word, capital P, capital F, for 20% off your order. And huge thanks to everyone listening right now. You know, we're continuing to grow and learn. So if you like what you hear, let your friends, family, and other like-minded individuals know who we are and where they can find us. You can see us or listen to us here on Anchor, Spotify, all the other major podcast platforms. And stay up to date with us. See what we got going on over at Instagram at path underscore five. It's all spelled out F-I-V-E. Feel free to hit us up. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Until next time, stay safe and get out there.